Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow. Good to be with you for the next 60 minutes. Multiple ways to interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. And a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So gearing up for Sunday Night Football, Giants Commanders, second time in three weeks as they will be meeting in Landover, Maryland. So we'll get into that. We'll also go over the latest in terms of the injury report. It hasn't officially been released, but Brian Dable did speak to the media earlier today. So, Paul, let's start on that front. I think two players of note that everybody is paying attention to. One is Leonard Williams, who's been a limited participant in practice over the last few days and did not play the last game with the neck issue. And then, of course, Adoree Jackson, who did not practice the previous two days. Dable... He ruled out a Dory Jackson, so Dory's not going to be an option. think it's encouraging, though, with respect to Leonard Williams based on his participation, and hopefully he's trending in the right direction. I've got video up on my Twitter feed, Giants WFAN, of both Williams and Jackson. Jackson is so close, but not close enough. And they were really hoping, I know he was hoping, to be there in Washington for the rematch. Just is not going to happen, unfortunately. Uh, At the same time, Leonard Williams, uh, I've been saying for the last two days, his arrow has been going up. I've been expressing that optimism because I'm well aware of of how he has progressed. Uh, And you'll see by the video today, uh, yeah, I'd say the odds are really good for Leonard Williams to make it back. I, I will say this, though. You know, when you look at the Giants defensively, one thing that, you know, is very disappointing, Lance, over the course of the last month or so has been that rush defense. And for me, you and I have had an opportunity to talk to J.P. Finley from uh, NBC Sports down in Washington. Yep. For me, for me, and I appreciate that Adoree Jackson is critical to the success of this team and to the secondary, but I actually believe that Leonard Williams coming back, remember he only played a half against Washington two weeks ago, I believe that is a much more significant development. In spite of the fact that McLaurin is who he is, you can double, you can use bracket, you can use zone, you can do all kinds of things, and McLaurin's still going to get his because he's a really great player. But here's what I would say. Because of the fact that the commanders don't have their starting center in Larson, who's on injury reserve, and they're now going to a backup guard to play center, who did make a start earlier this season. He has, he but, but there, yeah. is a, there is a drop-off. Uh, whether or not Turner or um, Sam Cosby. Cosby winds up playing guard, 
that's still not a pretty scenario, especially since Gaz Cosme, as we've heard, has trouble finishing games. Apparently, you know, they like him better, but he can't stay on the field for a full game. He keeps coming out. To That's me, why he's been rotating at right tackle for yes, the majority of the yes. season. Yes, yeah. yes. So to me, I think that Leonard Williams playing Sunday is actually even more important than Adoree Jackson because I think the Giants' interior of Lawrence and Williams against whatever threesome the commanders have on the offensive line, to me, that's the battle the Giants have to win if they're going to win this game. I think Leonard Williams coming back, with all due respect to Jelly Ellis and the other fellas, Mondo and the other guys that they throw in there, that right there is the crux. Winning the line of scrimmage, having some chance to control the running game, and getting pushed to the front of the pocket because the Giants' edge rushers over the course of the last few weeks with Ojolari coming back have done a very good job of putting pressure on the quarterback. With Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence in the front of that pocket, it really causes passers trepidation. So I'm going to say I think Williams is more important to the Giants' defense than Jackson in this game. Well, I think it's a group effort to stop the run. But if you do want to pinpoint one guy in particular, I think Leonard Williams is a strong candidate, mainly because of the fact that I have the numbers. I was doing some calculations, Paul. The last six games, clearly the Giants have only won one game, and that was against the Houston Texans. So if you remove that game, this is what you're looking at in terms of the lack of efficiency on the defensive side of the ball in two areas specifically that impact the ground game. Red zone defense has struggled, right? Because if you can't stop the run, the opposition's going to punch it in. So they've given up 14 touchdowns and 18 opportunities in those five games outside of the Texans win. That's a 78%, Paul, conversion rate. Ridiculous, considering how great they were before that. Well, they're 51% still on the season because of how good they were, right? Right. So if you look at them on the season scale, if you didn't watch one Giants game, right, you just went to the season breakdown, you'd be like, oh, the Giants have a really good red zone defense. And that's an accurate assessment, but not necessarily accurate in terms of the last few games. Third down defense has also struggled. Opponents converting 40% of the time within that window that I'm talking about. And here's the killer. 11 rushing touchdowns Mm -hmm. they've given up in those five games. The Lions, we know, did a lot of damage. Dallas. Washington wasn't overwhelming. But once again, to me, it's an accumulative approach right now that you're seeing with respect to these opponents. So, yeah, if Leonard Williams can come back, make a significant impact, I think it's critical. It's not so much the sacks, Paul. It's getting Taylor Heineke and company in those third and longs. Because you look at the numbers in the first game. Washington was 3 of 14 on third down. You like that percentage. The sure problem you do. is, right? Sure you do. They couldn't make the necessary stops on that last drive in regulation where they were able to score the game-tying touchdown. But outside of that, and both teams are guilty of this, right? Washington and the Giants couldn't really stay on the field on third down because the Giants were 4 of 13. Mm-hmm. But... If you could stop the run and you put Heineke in situations where he has to consistently throw, I think that's a very good situation that the Giants' defense will put itself in. Here's what you know. Between the two quarterbacks, Daniel Jones is a lot more careful with the football than Heineke is. That doesn't take a lot to decipher. Heineke is a gambler. Heineke will hold the ball long. He will try to make the big play. He will force balls into bad spots. And when he gets pressured, he will float the ball and give you chances to intercept it, okay? Those are things that Daniel Jones hasn't been doing this year at all. So if you want to kind of weigh 
the opportunities that a quarterback may give you in this game, Heineke's probably going to give the Giants more chances than Jones will give to Washington to make a play and turn the game around. More of a reason why you want him to throw. No doubt. He threw 41 times. You include the five sacks. He dropped back 46 times in the first matchup. I think if you're the Giants, you say, hey, if we could get a similar total. Go for it. We'll welcome that. It's just a matter of, to your point, can you capitalize on perhaps a mistake that he made because he does have an interception in five of the last seven games. To his credit, though, he made the big throws when they needed it the most, specifically the throw to Curtis Samuel on the fourth and four for 20 yards, and then Jahan Dotson making a great play after the catch for the game-tying touchdown. Inexperience cost the Giants on the uh, the fourth down play to Samuel that you're talking about. Yep. See, what you tell your defensive backs to do against a Heineke, and I've had conversations, so I'm not just picking this out of the air. I, I know exactly what you need to do and what was not done. It's simple. When Heineke takes off, he's going to take off usually horizontally because he's simply trying to buy time to throw it. He's not usually going to be charging the line of scrimmage or taking off on an angle. He's usually going to go horizontally. So on that fourth down play, what did he do? He went horizontally. Went this left. is exactly yep. what, what I had talked to some folks about going into that game last time. And I said, so when you know he's going to do that, the idea is let the guys up front worry about him in case he does decide to tuck it down, which is not likely, okay? Let them worry about him. The guys on the back end, they need to just worry about plastering their receivers. That's it. Stick with your receiver. Don't even think about Heineke. Just stick with your receiver. Well, the defensive back on that play, and I'm not going to call him out, he, uh, he lost his eyes. He went and looked at Heineke. And he looked into the backfield and he wanted to see what was going on instead of just worrying about concentrating on the receiver. And what did Samuel do? He took advantage of that. All you need to do is lose him for a second and then he can break free and create that extra he has separation. Speed to do that, yeah. So he's running the scramble drill. And instead of just focusing on covering him, the defensive back lost his concentration and looked towards the backfield to see what the pass rush was doing. And that's what cost him the completion. It was a fundamental mistake, a very simple fundamental mistake that happens when you haven't played five, six, seven, eight years in this league. Okay, When you've got minimal experience and you're still raw and you're still green and you haven't played a ton of games in the secondary – those kinds of things will happen, and you will pay for them, as he did on that play. It was one simple mistake, and it allowed Heineke to take advantage of it and give him a big play. And he doesn't look to run at all in terms of what we've seen maybe even in the past, 23 runs for 67 yards in seven games. So you do the math, he's running maybe three times per game. He does have the mobility, though, to run. The only thing I will add, though, Paul, to that play, and this is what makes it challenging for a defensive back in that position that you just laid out, it was fourth and four. In that situation, even though he doesn't look to run that much, Heineke gets an opening. It's a high percentage run for him that he can easily pick up four yards. So in that situation, you do walk that fine line. You have to trust your guys. Sure, absolutely. You have to trust your pass rush that they're going to get after him. And look, I did not go back and see how much room Heineke had. I was more concerned when I looked at the 
the film and when I looked at the tape and talked to people about it, I was more concerned with how the back end played it. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Heineke did not have the necessary room to scramble for four well, yards. Well, he was and certainly get the first being down. pressured from his right yeah, side. I don't in think that. he was going to get the angle. I don't think he had a chance to make that first down. I'm going to see if I could bring up the play because you mm. have me curious about whether or not there was an alley. And that's the unfortunate part because I don't think he had the opportunity to make the play. And, you know, lapse in judgment and experience cost you a first down. There's no doubt about that. And I'm bringing up the play. Here's the play now, Paul, if you want to look at it with me. And we could take a glance to see whether or not, indeed, I mean, he, no had, he had about two guys in front of him. He's not I gonna think make it would have been tough He's not gonna make for him it. to take off. And, yeah. that, and, that's, and, really that, and that's what it comes down to. Trust your guys up front. Let them take care of Heineke. You worry about the back end. That's it. You can't give a guy like Samuel or certainly McLaurin an opportunity to blink and create separation in a flash. That's just that's just a very bad fundamental mistake. You can't do it. With that being said, though, as we look ahead to this matchup, we talked about some of the offensive line changes. Curtis Samuel had been relatively quiet up to that final drive, if you recall, Paul. Same thing with Dotson. And we know that the Giants secondary is still a little bit banged up. I don't think Washington's going to come out and say we're going to throw, 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 because I don't think that's a good recipe. But it would not surprise me, especially the fact that they have three guys. If they want to look to test the Giants a little bit early, that would not necessarily surprise me. Because in the conversation we had with J.P. Finley, who you just teased, and that's going to be on the most recent Giants Huddle podcast, he even mentioned Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator, has a tendency to sometimes right. come in out of a game, look to throw mm -hmm. before they then start establishing the run. So that's going to be interesting. That first drive, maybe second drive, does Turner say to himself, let's see if the Giants cleaned up what they struggled with late in the game. And if they didn't do that, maybe we can open up the field for the rushing attack as things progress. Yeah, I could, I could see that. And why not? You know, the Giants are still going in with a shorthanded secondary. I mean... This is only two weeks later. It's not like a few of those guys suddenly got five years of experience no, overnight. They didn't go to CVS and say, oh, there's the box that says five years experience. Or a pill of some sort. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I'll, exactly. I'll go take that, and I'll be so much better off in two weeks. That doesn't happen in this league. So I don't think there's any doubt that the commanders will take a couple of shots and see if that secondary learned anything from the first game. I'd like to believe that they did. I think that the Giants made it a point this year to specifically acquire and import football astute players. Guys who are really smart, really sharp, and really understand the game. We're going to see how much they learned in this rematch because they're fighting against a comparable foe, a middleweight, if you will, not a heavyweight champ like Philadelphia, not a heavyweight contender like the Dallas Cowboys. They're fighting a fellow middleweight. There's no excuse not to be able to learn, execute, and fix those things against a comparable foe. I think the key ingredient here related to what we're talking about, tackling in a game like this. And you could say, listen, that's important for every game, and I'm not going to disagree. But the reason why tackling to me is even more critical in Sunday's contest is how did Washington get the majority of its big plays in the first matchup? Yardage after the catch, Paul. 
and the touchdown from McLaurin came following a missed tackle. So if you don't have the cover guys that have the experience that you were talking about, okay, at least then be in position to do damage control. Do not allow them to get 5 to 10 yards in additional field positioning after the catch. That's critical in a game like this, and it holds true for the rushing attack. You want the commanders, and even though they're more than comfortable in doing this, you want them to have to go. 12 plays, 85 yards. No doubt. If they want to score a touchdown. And the way you make them do that is you eliminate the chunk plays. The yep. Giants did a pretty good job at that in the first matchup. Yes, they they did. didn't finish, though, for the whole game because in the fourth quarter there was leaks. So if you put Washington in a position, they have to consistently go 85, 90 yards. You lose the game, fine. You tip your cap to the opposition. You say, those guys were fundamentally sound. They avoided the penalties and the mistakes. Kudos to them. But if you give them one drive where they get a 20-play, a 20-yard pass to Samuel or Dotson or McLaurin or a big run for 15 yards, you're making it easier on them. This is not the game when you can afford to do that. So I would say that may be the biggest key of all of the things that we're going to discuss right now as well as moving forward on this program. It just so happens that the Giants and the Commanders are the two best teams in terms of avoiding missed tackles. Giants have missed 37 tackles on the season. Washington has missed 38. Those are the two teams with the fewest missed tackles on defense during the course of the year. It just so happens to be that way. It's just a matter of... Giants have been amongst the top three uh, all season long. They've been consistently right up there. And even with the fact that they've had a number of them in the last few weeks, there's still fewest missed tackles in the NFL. It just it reminds me of the conversation, Paul, we were having earlier with respect to red zone defense, right? On the season, it's been great. But there's been this patch, yeah. this section of time. So it's the same thing. Really good tackling up to the fourth quarter when all of a sudden Dotson gets free with the exception, of course, Fabian Morrow on McLaurin earlier in the game. Other than that... You know, there's not many moments that I could pick out in that game, but I always use the phrase timing is everything because you can lean on, right, being excellent in a specific category, but game on the line, fourth quarter, you don't get the job done. They're not going to reward you bonus points simply because you're third in the NFL in missed tackling. How true. Right? How true. Look, it's all in front of the Giants. Thank you, San Francisco 49ers, knocking off the Seattle Seahawks last night. It means no matter what happens Sunday, folks, and let's not kid ourselves, both of these teams, the Giants and Commanders, desperately want to win this game. But uh, the fact remains, the team that loses is still very much in the race and still controls its own destiny. And that that's the beauty of this, as far as I'm concerned. And I get it. There are people out there who want the game to even be more of a tightrope than it is. I look at it the other way. I think as a coach or as a player, you want to be able to play as relaxed as possible. And even though the game is of critical importance, it's there's nothing wrong with having more wiggle room. And so the Giants and Commanders, in my mind, both are breathing a sigh of relief with Seattle losing last night because both teams now know even when one of them goes down, and I'm assuming there won't be a second tie. Yes. I'm assuming that, that regardless of what happens, both of these teams, the loser, is still in control of its own destiny. That is a marvelous thing if you're either one of these teams. So thank you to the San Francisco 49ers. And oh, by the way, 
uh, yeah, San Francisco will play the Washington Commanders next weekend. And so perhaps the San Francisco 49ers could do the Giants a little bit more of a holiday gift and take care of things two weeks in a row. But we won't deal with that quite yet. We got a game coming up on Sunday. And by the way, just in case anybody wonders, since the NFL's overtime rule to break ties was implemented in 1974, that's when Joe Namath ran the bootleg at Yale Bowl and, and beat the Giants in the first ever overtime to break a tie sudden death in, in regular season play. There has not been a team in the National Football League to have two ties in a season. It has never happened since that time and the new rules were implemented. And, oh, by the way, just in case you're also wondering, should there be another tie between the Giants and the Commanders this week, that would be incredibly bad for both teams. Because, in effect, when you calculate the winning percentage after having two ties, the two ties equate to a loss. And that's the way the winning percentage thing is calculated. So it would do significant damage to both teams should they end in a tie. Well, you're also limited in terms of how many wins you could get to at that point, too, when you think about you're it. You're running so, out of time. Yeah, 100%. I mean, listen, I've said this multiple times. The Giants can't be caught up in what everybody else is doing. Eventually, they need to start winning football games and finishing and taking care of business. I understand the mathematics. And, yes, the Lions – and the Seahawks each have seven losses. So the loser of this game is only going to have six. Based on basic mathematics, of course, they're absolutely still going to be in the playoff picture and still control their own destiny. But you just can't assume that everybody's going to lose out the remainder of the season. I guess my bigger point is eventually you're going to be put up against the wall and they're going to say to you, you have to go out and win a football game. So yes, the mathematics, the help, it's nice, it's great. It sounds wonderful, but eventually the Giants are going to have to go out and win a football game. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that saying? with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, a few reminders before we open up the phone lines. The Giants Huddle podcast, you make sure you go subscribe to that. Podcast features a rapid reaction right here after each game with one of our analysts and an episode midweek featuring an interview with a national analyst and then a game preview featuring a long-form interview with a current Giants player, an exclusive sit-down with Bob Pop and head coach Brian Dable, as well as an opponent preview of that week's opponent, which we were referring to earlier in the program, J.P. Finley this week, who covers the Commanders. You can search for Giants Huddle on your favorite podcast platform, or you can listen on the Giants app or at Giants.com slash podcast. Also, there is one home game remaining. 
Don't miss it at MetLife Stadium. Limited seats are available for remaining games. You can visit Giants.com slash tickets to find your game and secure your seat. Giants' official connected TV streaming app is Giants TV. It brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. All right, let's open up the lines at 201-939-4513. Ralph is in Florida and joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Ralph? What do you got for us? Hey, guys. Happy holidays, first and foremost. You too. Um, my thing is a big question is I understand with the with the rope with, with you know with everybody trying to stack the box and Saquon and all that. Have you seen Daniel Jones's numbers on first down pass on dropbacks? I mean his numbers are great. I think this game is something similar to the way we started the Jaguar game. Let Daniel Jones make them short passes, methodically drive us down the field, and then I think after that Washington would have to get off the air box. Now there's more wiggle room for Saquon. It's just my opinion. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I've I've often called for it uh, over the last several weeks as this has become an increasingly more difficult situation for the Giants to run it. I have felt the same way, that they should use more of the short passing game. I still think that there are times where they should run Barkley out of the I formation with Myrick as a fullback on occasion yeah, because that's his, that's his favorite formation to run out of. But it's not yeah. part of the Giants' offensive playbook unless they're down in the red zone. That's just not what they run. That's a bit disappointing to me. But, hey, it is what it is. Uh, and then the other thing is, I still think that Breida and Barkley together in the backfield poses yeah, a monumental yeah, problem. Yes. yes. Misdirection. You can yes, use yes. misdirection. And you can also, with those two guys who both have equal skill sets to be able to catch passes in the passing game and also to run it, you could really cause the linebackers on the other team a lot of headaches if and you the put safeties, them both and in. The safeties, yes. But, yes. but, hey, all I can say is I've talked about it enough on this program. I've talked about it enough around the building. I'm not paid to be the play caller or the exactly. OC or the head coach. No, uh, what can I say? I agree with you. Hey, Lance and Paul, but this is like you said before the game last time. If any any game, any um, plays you've been saving, they need to come out this game. Oh, yeah. They need to come oh, out yeah. this game. It, it, look, That's there's it. no time That's like it. the present. Will Yogi say it's getting late early here? Okay, yes. come on. Yes. It's, t- it's time now. Whatever you got. Yes. Whatever you got in that playbook, bring it out now. And I will add just one like, more thing. Ralph, did you have another point? Because yeah. I want to add one more thing. Go ahead. I'll let you finish. Yeah. No, I'm just saying. No, and the thing like Wink said, there's plays that he got. I mean, that he hasn't brought on it. Sure. It's not a glitch. Bring, well, it because they didn't, bring it all out. Yeah, because they didn't use everything they had against Washington. Right, Same exactly. thing could be said for Kathleen. Now, now to build off that point, though, Washington had the ball for 40-plus minutes two weeks ago in that game. They are the yep. best time of possession team in the National Football League. Okay. Yeah, we gotta eliminate that. Now, here's what I want to here's what I want think about this a minute. They had the ball for 40 plus minutes and they only scored 20 points. And the yep. Giants yep. defense was ravaged with only four opening day starters on the field for most of the second half in overtime. So think about yep. that. If anything, yep. if anything, that should give you confidence as the Giants that you're gonna be able to contain their offense. Okay? Listen, That's number one. But one number two I leave, guys. Well, number yeah, two, yeah. let me let me make sure you got this. In the uh-huh. 20 minutes the Giants' offense had the ball, how much do you think that they actually showed to their playbook? Not very much because yeah. they didn't run exactly. that many plays. 
So I got to think that Kafka's got a ton of stuff. And he better bring them out this week. Well, it's eighty-two to sixty-five in favor of the commanders. That's in a, terms lot, of total that's a lot of points. Yeah, Lance. Before I go, and I just want to say this: to me, the time of possession last game where the defense was on the field a lot. Kudos. My thing is, we can't play to try to save the lead. Once we're up, keep the game going and just keep playing. Yeah, and just keep playing. Yeah, not like last game where we try to run out the clock and try to play four-minute offense with eleven minutes to go. Well, you know, you know what? They they had they had the they had the pass to Slayton. You know, they had the pass to Slayton. They had the uh, call against Feliciano that took him out of field goal range. Uh there was another time that Slayton got interfered with and pushed out of bounds at about the 30-yard line. They didn't totally sit on that game. They actually did have chances. Yeah, they could have finished drives. They could have finished drives and either because of their poor execution or, again, trouble with the officials, they weren't able to do so. Yeah, I don't think it was necessarily a conservative game plan. It was the fact that they shot themselves in the feet. They didn't pack up their tents. Multiple times. Yeah, They didn't. Same thing with the commanders. I don't think the commanders were conservative either. They look at plenty of missed opportunities for themselves too, especially some of those negative plays late in overtime that were costly for both teams. As far as the game planning, listen, at the end of the day, a four- or five-yard pass on first down is the same thing as whether or not you run for four or five yards. goes down as the same type of gain. So I don't care at the end of the day whether they want Daniel Jones to throw a pass or they want to run. The bottom line is you want to get some positive yardage so you set up some manageable second and third downs. The only thing that I'm thinking of in terms of the personnel that you were getting at, Paul, if you look at some of the defensive fronts that they've gone against over the last few weeks, including again with the commanders, that maybe Kafka and Dabo just feel it's better to have bigger personnel on the field as opposed to go with the extra back. And you know I'm a big fan of jumbo packages. Sure. I yeah. love the six and seven and eight def- uh, offensive linemen on the field. You know I love that too. Look, I don't want to be criti- critical of these guys because they've gotten the Giants to a seven-win season so you far. You didn't sound as if you were coming and off they, critical. That's not why yeah. I brought that up. And yeah. they're in playoff position. So I think this coaching staff has done a marvelous job. Are there a few little sprinkles of oregano that I might like to to throw into that game plan to maybe change a few things up a bit? Yeah, I, I got some things that based on – my years of, of being involved in this league that I'd love to see some of that stuff dusted off. But but I'm I'm big on that, you see, because I don't think that because stuff is old and because stuff is part of history that it needs to be buried and needs to stay there. I mean, look what San Francisco did with that double fake pass down the, the center of the yep. field for George the touchdown. Kittle. And we all know, if and they referred to it, that pass is like, that play is 35 years old. I mean... The Niners ran the same play like 35 years ago, and he pulled that sucker out of an old tape, and well, it worked Kyle's perfectly. father has been around the last time I checked right. for quite some time I, and, in the and NFL. I personally don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. No, it's if all stuff, about execution. If stuff worked back then, and most of today's people want to be so smart and so genius-like and just talk about new things and creating new things, you know what you do? You burn them with the old stuff. That's what you do. So that's that's kind of how I feel about that. And right now, as we talked about with the run game struggles, the offensive line hasn't necessarily been pushing around the defensive front. I think that's more no. of a reason why they want some additional tight ends and bigger personnel on the field because they think they need extra assistance in blocking, which is sensible based on the results that we're seeing. I will say this. If Chase Young plays 
and he gets into obvious passing situations and it's 15 snaps, whatever it is that they, they hold him to, boy, I would run at him all day. He's coming back from an ACL. It's his first game back. They talk about the first season back, you're not the same. First game back? Man, you are not anywhere near what you're supposed to be. And he's not going to have the confidence or the strength or the get off in those legs. I would have Evan Neal and Bellinger pound the living daylight out of him. On third and five, I'm telling you right now, on third and five, I don't need to pass. I don't. I'm running that ball right at Chase Young. I'm taking him out. And I don't even have to run it with a running back. I could even go with an RPO and have Daniel Jones take off around the corner. Chase Young's not getting him. He's not getting him. They're going to fold him inside like a deck of cards. And and Daniel's going to take off for 15 yards. I would make Chase Young a liability every time he's on the field. It's going to be very interesting to see how much playing time he gets. There's no doubt about it. He's going to be out there. He spoke to the media this week. And normally when a player meets with the media, it's a good sign they're returning. So I think it's fair to read into that. But how much do they throw him out there? I think, you know, that remains to be seen. I agree with you. I think it's going to be a limited package. But when do they choose to put him on the field, Paul? That's another question. It's not just so much how much does he play, but when do you put him out It's got to be in obvious passing downs. There's no point putting him in there in obvious running downs. That would just be dumb. And they have a lot of depth at that position, too, where I think they could utilize other people in terms of stopping the run. So, yeah, it would seem as if he would be a pass rusher specialist. But I don't know. Do they want him to get his feet wet, to your point, so that he could take the hit? You know, sometimes the player wants to come in, just take a few hits. I don't know. Maybe they put him in some early Oh, I'd be glad to oblige. To get that out of the way. Just knock him. Knock him senseless. Just go right after him. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average. Plus, it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Well, time will tell whether or not they look to adopt that approach, the Giants. Let's head back to the phone lines. We've got Big Ed in Maryland joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Big Ed? What's up, guys? Big Paulie, Big Lance. How's it going? Right, good to talk Doing to you right. again, man. How are you? What's happening? Oh, man, I'm super excited, man. Big game this Sunday. We're just going to win. It's going to be fun. Is Lennon Williams going to play? I think the arrow is pointing upwards. Okay. Did he practice? He's yeah, out there now. Go take was, a look at my Twitter feed. I got some video there for you. He was limited the last okay. two days. We'll see what they classify him today. But I would say right. he's probably trending more towards a questionable label than a doubtful label, which was last week. At I would worst. concur. I would concur. Okay. So here's the thing. And this is what I saw from the last game particularly. One, um, you cannot play the defense that supposed to be played if that key player isn't there. Because you see why we had so many gapping holes where they just kept running on us and we couldn't stop them for nothing. So, that's, Yeah, but that's Big Ed, in, in fairness, though, mm-hmm. and I brought this point up on multiple shows, the run defense has been struggling even before mm-hmm. Leonard Williams went down with the neck issue. 
Okay, if you go You're back right. and you look at the Lions game and the Cowboys game, those are games mm-hmm. Leonard Williams was out there and they were struggling. So I would disagree with the sentiment being Leonard's off the field. You have to all of a sudden change things up. When he's been on the field, they have not necessarily been able to stop the run. You're right, because the Detroit – no, really, the Houston game. Now, I, I'm not sleeping. That Houston game was a big little beginning of the gaping hole from stopping the run becoming a problem more. Because Houston really got some great runs off. I know y'all yeah. saw that. No, the, the, yeah. the Giants, for the most part this season, especially mm-hmm. after Robinson and then when Adoree Jackson went out, it really became apparent, they're not getting right. enough of run support from their corners. Okay? Right. Let me make that very yeah. clear. And, that, and that's yeah. been a problem now throughout. They have not yeah. gotten – Dory Jackson was the only corner who was really, really good in run support. Okay, right. and 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 yeah. now that he's been out, that's an issue. On top of that, they've had trouble filling their gaps in between the tackles. And right. when you look at those two things, is it any wonder that their their rush defense was poor at the beginning of the season in the first quarter, was pretty good in the second quarter, got bad again in the third quarter, and now we're going into the fourth quarter, and we don't know what what we're going to see. Right. All right. So that, look, that's why. Hey, but look, here, let me get this one last thing in. Um, birthday Sunday, all right? So, Lynn, if you're listening, I'll be at the the merchandise store at 730. Meet me there, all right? And all the other Giants fans that are listening and can relate this to the other Giants fans, meet me there at 730. Pre-game celebration, birthday included. Oh, oh, oh. Hope to see you, Paulie. At some point, I know you'd be running up and down, being very busy. Lance, oh man, I'm, uh, I'm a maniac too, on buddy. game day. All right, Big Ed, happy birthday, Big appreciate Ed. the phone call. Hope you enjoy yeah. the game. Happy uh, early birthday to you, and uh, thanks for uh, giving us a ring here. Let's move along. Let's check in with John in Cape Cod joining us here. You're on not going to go to Len line. after his call out. Well, I mean, we'll get to the other callers. There's no specific necessarily order. I mean, what what is this? We're running a rally here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, or we're running a talk show. I didn't realize we're now orchestrating people <laughs> Len, meeting Len, up. Just know that Pearson is it's, campaigning for you. Well, it's not Len. We haven't gotten it to him yet. This is okay. John on Cape Cod. Yes. Hello, John. John, what's happening? Hey, good afternoon, Lance and Paul. Really like the show and Thank appreciate you. the time. Well. I, I just wanted to mention a couple of things. I think with this game coming up, it's going to be really critical for the two Giants edge rushers to seal those edges because, like you both have said many times, Heineke damages you with that horizontal move out and gets away, and then he's open to try and make plays. Um, I, th- I think that... that uh, the run support is going to be the key thing in this game, no doubt about it. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention uh, is, I don't know if John's around today, but you might want to mention it to him. I respect his football IQ, but I was on yesterday and talking about Landon Collins, and I was corrected that he's not a safety, he's a linebacker. Well, look on the Giants roster. He's listed as a safety. I think he's a hybrid he was a hybrid coming out of college. Uh, the thing on him in the draft said, not great in man-to-man coverage, but a big hitter in the box. So it is what it is. Well, I, uh, I don't understand what's your point then, John. Just remember this, John. I'm confused. Wink Martindale himself <laughs> says that his defenders are positionless. 
He does not believe in in quantifying a player with a certain position. He says, I'm putting 11 guys out on the field. They're going to do what I tell them to do. And whatever scheme it is, that's the scheme and that's what you play. He doesn't believe in calling players out by position. So you can argue linebacker safety all you like. It's not relevant to the D.C. It's all about how they utilize the player. That's what it comes down to. I couldn't agree with you more, guys. It's a different game. Uh, The last thing I want to mention, and I'll take it, off offline is I had visions, Paul, you throwing stuff around during that 49ers game last night. Oh, I was very calm. I it too, and I think it was the worst refereeing of the year, and it could have been a game changer on that stupid roughing call that took back a touchdown for the 49ers. It was a horrible call. I agree with you on that, but it was, the San Francisco was in control from the very beginning of that game. I, I never worried about them. I'll leave you with this. It's been a hot-button thing for me for a long time, and I'd just like your comments on it. I think that it's a little crazy that this isn't the only big sport that doesn't have full-time referees, and we need guys out there. Yeah, but, John, that's not that's not going to solve the issue. John, that's not going to solve the issue because what you're arguing is you're arguing roughing the passer, which is a judgment call. So you could have them take reps every single day, 24-7, and it's still going to be a judgment call at the end of the day in every game. You're never going to remove the human element. You're trying to remove the human element, which is never going to be removed. Yeah. Make some of the calls. John, John honestly, no, no, I'm backing up Lance on this a thousand percent. Judgment calls, you're not going to be able to to clean those up. And that's why they, by definition, judgment call means a judgment has to be made, which means that a hundred people in the same room could all have different opinions. Exactly. You can't clean those up. Now, what I do have a problem with are obvious black and white rules infractions Okay, like the ball not being spotted where it's supposed to be so that Graham Gano's field goal is 58 yards instead of 56 yards at the end of a game. Okay, I do have a problem with that. Procedural stuff you're talking about. Yeah, that's procedural. That's a problem. When, When a defensive player grabs Richie James by the arm, tries to take the ball away to delay the game, when that's clearly black and white in the book, that's illegal. It's not allowed. There's no judgment there. And the penalty doesn't get called. Or if a Washington defensive lineman lines up literally a yard and a half beyond the ball. He's not just in the red zone. He's actually off sides on the other side of the ball. There's no judgment there. Okay? That's what I have a problem with. Those are problems that can be corrected if these officials would get the, get their acts together. The judgment stuff, we're always going to cry about judgment calls. But I just cited to you three things that happened on the Giants last series against Washington that were black and white, and there was no excuse for any one of those three things to happen the way that they did, and they did. Well, the last caller was referring to the Niners game last night. I just I chuckle when it's labeled the worst officiating game. Talk to me by the end of this weekend. I guarantee you somebody's going to call up and say, no, that was the worst officiated game. Well, it changes it, unfortunately, every single day. There, in this game, there will be... Judgment decisions sure. every, every single, single game week. there is. Yeah, every 100%. single week that will make some people happy and other people mad. Oh, by the way, I don't Just know the if, way it is. I don't know if you heard, Paul. Nick Bosa spoke to reporters after the game, and I was listening. What do you he, think? He said it was the right call. Did he? Yes, he flat out admitted that it was the right call. Okay, so I thought it was a bit wussy. Well, because the bottom line is, you're seeing in slow motion. 
the replay of him trying to prevent his full body weight from going on the player. Is the ref seeing it in slow motion, though, Paul? See, now you just opened up a big can of worms for me. I don't know how much time we have. I'm going to well, make this I mean, real it's quick. It's worth having a conversation. I we fully believe yeah. that when a play is reviewed, it should be reviewed in real time. Oh, because okay. Well, I, I, I mean, we've I never believe, discussed this. Yeah, sure. I believe that when you review a, a play and you slow it down into one frame one by frame. millionth sure. of a frame-by-frame frame step, it's no longer the same visual play. I would agree with you. It is now different. And that's where my problem is. I believe that in replay, what you should do, if you have a different angle on something that an official did not have, that's useful, okay? And replay it in real time, and let's see if there's a different angle that shows the picture more clearly. That's wonderful. But when you replay a play and slow it down to something that is inhuman, where when you're going frame by frame, there's not there's not a telescope, a microscope, or a human eyeball that can see a play like that. Therefore, you're actually changing the dynamics. Yeah, it's not football anymore. of the of the decision. I disagree with that. I'm all for replay in in real time from a different angle that can help you make the correct call. I am not for slowing it down step by step because you know what? That's not the spirit of what we play was made for. And when a guy, and I know this has happened with the Giants too, so this is not a prejudiced comment. If a guy is on the sideline and his little pinky toe happens to touch the sideline, and the only way you can see that is if you go frame by frame, and then they do the zoom in, right? With a thousand times magnification, and you can see, oh, the left side of his broken nail is touching the sideline. Oh, out of bounds, out of bounds. Are you freaking kidding me? No, no, that's not what replay was meant for. That's not right. That's, that, that's just ridiculous. I'm completely with you. Yeah. I'm glad to hear you say well, that because I didn't know how you'd react. No, I listen, that's why I'm not for expanding replay for the very reasons that you laid out. It's not football anymore. You're governing the game based on how technology operates, right. not on how human beings operate. Correct. The best parallel I could give you in basketball, what you're talking about, you've seen this in the NBA college basketball Defensive player knocks the ball out of the offensive player's hands right. near the sideline. Right. And the ball goes out of play. On replay, they notice the ball handler touched it last after the defender hit it out, and it's a turnover. At real-time speed, the offensive player, you never see him touch it last, but in very slow motion, right. you see the guy dribbling the ball. The ball gets deflected, and then he recovers it by the fraction of a second right. before it goes out. Come on. That, that's mean, not the spirit of the rule. That's, that's not that's 100%, not that's sure. not the spirit of competition. Yep. That is not the spirit of the game. It's not the spirit of the rule. You're now taking technology and you're going well beyond the bounds of what the sport is supposed to be. Well and that's why I, I'm not going to pinpoint our last caller, but I fair to generalize in saying most people they see the slow motion replay they see the guy try to avoid putting his full body weight on the quarterback but you're seeing it frame by frame by frame the official is not seeing it in that process of course not so how am I going to blame and be critical of an official for not seeing it the way you did at home on but the I still thought Bosa's sack was clean well that's fine and you're entitled <laughs> to your opinion I'm, I'm not going to sit here and dispute we could you know 
to do it till we're blue in the I'm face. I'm glad we, every f- we feel call. the same way about the procedure, though. Yeah. Because it's gotten it's gotten so ridiculous. Well, I, it's to me a thankless job to be an official. And number two, if you're not judging them based on what they're seeing, meaning if you're not putting yourself in their shoes, how can you be critical of them? Well, it's it's the same way if a guy is is deemed to be touched and downed. Okay. You watch a play where a defensive player maybe recovers a fumble or an interception, and he takes it back the other way for a touchdown. And then, oh, we've got to review it. Wait a minute. His pinky finger. Somebody with their pinky touched his shoelace. Do you see that? Yeah. Look at that. Blow it up five billion times. <laughs> his pinky, the nail of his pinky, touched his shoelace. He's down. Really? Well, but see, Paul, Really? what what I would add, no, no, I'm completely with you, but that's why in those situations, I want the officials to let the play play out, meaning don't call it if you're unsure. Let them play it out and then go to replay to determine whether or not the player was touched. I'm okay with that. Yeah, but don't give me step-by-step with a thousand-time magnification to see the pinky touch of the shoelace. No, there's got to be... Don't give me that. There's got to be a degree where you say if the naked eye can't tell it, then just leave the call as is. Bingo. Thank you, Lance. Hey, we're just totally harmonious today. Well, listen, it must be the holidays. I don't know about that. It really must be the holidays. When you talk things out and you go layer by layer (laughs) of the onion, as you like to say it, sometimes there is some common ground. With that being said, let's head back to the lines. Let's check in with Len in Maryland. He joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Len? Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing all right. What's on your mind? Hey, Big Ed, I'll see you at the merchandising tent at 730. There you go. Some closure. Hey, Paulie. Hey, Paulie. Yeah, how to bring up Joe Namath <laughs> at the Yale Bowl rolling left in overtime in 1974. Touchdown oh, on the bootleg. Goodness. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. Talk about a low point in a low period of time. And that and was, I think, I think uh, if Brad Van Pelt uh, were still alive, he'd have nightmares about it, too. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hey, listen, I'm going to give a shout-out to the refs here, if you don't mind, to get me started here. Uh-oh. Um, actually, it turns out to be a call-out of an Eagles player. Yeah, they threw a flag on uh, Marcus Epps on that awful tackle in the end zone against Richie Jones on that last touchdown. I, I tell you, he got the penalty flag, but Marcus, come on, boy. There were bad intentions in that tackle. Oh, you mean the helmet bad to helmet, the helmet to helmet? Yeah, no bad question. Intentions, Paul. That was right in bad front intentions. of me. I, I was right there on the goal line. Yeah, and, and it was intentions. it was a helmet to helmet, and he went in and he targeted him, and that's the kind of play that you know when I'm doing college football games at the FCS level on Saturdays, and when I see that, uh, immediately the eyes go right up to the booth to see if the official upstairs is going to nail that guy. <sighs> And, and because intentions, Paulie. That's no good. It's no good. Yep. Well, it's the optics. Yep. Yep. I, I don't know if it's yep. the intentions. You really can't get in the mind of a player, Len, but from an optics standpoint, that's what the ref is judging. If the optics are bad, he's going to then throw the flag. And if you really want to clean up safety in the game, that's the kind of thing you have to make an example of. Sure. He hey. torpedoed him, helmet to helmet. Yeah. Well, that's what I said, the optics. Hey. It's not intentions, hey, it's optics. Yeah. Hey, Lance, Lance, you can look at it any way you want. 
I'm looking at it as bad intentions. Sure, Marcus. Well, Len, I'm not. I'm not saying yeah. that, but you I'm, can't. I'm hoping, I understand I'm, I'm that, hoping. but the official, you can't go to an official and say, "Go into the okay. head of the player and try to guess what he's thinking." That's why. That's the intention. When you use that term, you're basically putting the onus on the official to get into the mind of a player. Yeah. That's not the job of an official. That's my point. It's the optics. He's looking at it whether or not it was a bad hit in real time, and that's why he threw the flag. And and the optics were bad and there yeah. should have been more of a punishment there. It's, it's just like I understand. the Feliciano well, penalty I, I, was optics. I, That's what it came down know, to. I don't know if the NFL still in, uh, makes publics their, their fines, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Mark of I'm sure he was. a big fine for that play. Well, I'm normally, sure he was. isn't today the day where they yeah. normally announce whether or not guys from the previous weekend? I'm sure he was. So we may find out. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, well, well, Sunday night, hey, um, Geez, a great rivalry over the years. So many really big moments in games against the Redskins, both at home and in those stadiums down there in Washington. Um, and, and we got another one on Sunday. I mean, it's going to be a terrific night. I expect it to be a terrific game. And uh, here's my here's my key to the game. Um, pretty simple. You, you get to the fourth quarter, your best players, we know who they are. We know who they are. Six or seven of them. If we wrote it, wrote, it, wrote it, all wrote them down separately, we'd probably have the same names. They got to make big plays in the fourth quarter. That's why they're going to get big contracts. That's why they're making big money. That's why we expect them to make big plays at crunch time. Let's go, Giants. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, Enjoy, Paul, I'll look Arlen. for you. I'll look for you on Sunday. Be good. Appreciate the call. Says it all. Timing. You've been pounding that forever. It's about timing. Goes back to also the last game, right? They couldn't close the door on the Commanders in the fourth quarter. But in fairness, though, they didn't get off to a great start either. Remember, they trailed 10-0 in that game. That's the other thing we haven't brought up, okay? What it took them to get back in the game to then position themselves to take the lead. You know, you let Washington at home jump out with a big lead where all of a sudden now they can run the ball comfortably. That also could very well change the dynamics of the game. You know, I just wonder, above all else, and and these coaches have been talking about it, I'm sure they have in Washington too. We know them. They know us. It's all about execution. I said the other day to, uh, was it to Dexter Lawrence? No, I said it to Nick Gates. I said, Nick, yeah, game plan, scheme, that's part of it, no doubt. You know, execution, obviously that's part of it. But what about just simply the will to win, the will to put it all out there on every play. And so many times we hear about, oh, this team wanted it more. Well, a lot of times that's overused. But in games like this, I'm not so sure that that's an overused phrase. I think in a game like this, you've got to, regardless of how you're feeling, how tired you might be, how demoralized you might have been by a play in the first quarter, you've got to be able to rev it up and give it everything you've got as this game is coming down to the wire and and, and game-deciding plays are going to have to be made. You've got to be able to play above the X's and the O's in these games, Lance, or you do not come out with the fruit. Well, the other thing that you have to avoid is the 
untimely decisions that could come back to bite you with respect to penalties. Because you go back to that game, you brought up the Feliciano penalty, and we were just having a conversation about optics. It was needless. Feliciano, the optics were bad. That's why the official threw the flag. That's why I disagreed with the term intentions, because if you ask Feliciano, yes, his intentions weren't bad, but Mm -hmm. the ref doesn't care about the intentions. The ref only cares about what he interpreted on the field, period. It was a totally unnecessary action. Yep. That allowed the official to make a call like that. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. There were so many ways you could celebrate with a teammate without doing what he did. And that's why in a game where you've been talking about middleweights, where you have two teams that are relatively close, they're identical in record, they both have their fair share of issues and strengths, these are the little things that are going to determine the outcome of this game again. And you got to avoid them, especially late in games when you have an opportunity to get into field goal range or well, perhaps punch it in. Just remember the last game down there. Last year, Dexter Lawrence gets flagged for a stinking offsides yep. penalty on a missed field goal, and they get a dead ball field goal to beat the Giants. Sure. Look, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, if this game comes down to a either incorrect call or a missed call, I think my head's going to explode. <laughs> Well, seriously, to the NFL. I know, I know, which means it's there's the a real good, the beast. there's a real good chance that'll happen. <laughs> well, I was going to say, Paul, you could do that every single week. But please, could it, could it not happen this week, guys? Could you please let the players decide this game on the field, please, just once? Well, it's going to be a different officiating crew. I didn't check, but I'm. I think it's fair to say. I haven't seen group, the crew yet. I would say the chances of them assigning the same group as the previous game is slim. But by, by the way. Let me let me pull out this this stat for you. I just want to give this to you, Lance, because I did give it. I did give something similar to this uh, two weeks ago. But I let me see. I got to hear something. Here it is. Washington is Commanders. Up, by the way. Washington Commanders have been flagged for pass interference a league high eleven times this year, more than anybody else in the league. Okay, they are number two. Their secondary has drawn twenty nine penalty flags. Only New Orleans with 34 has drawn more penalty flags as a secondary than the Washington Commanders, which, by the way, says to me, don't be afraid to take a few shots because even if you don't complete them, you may wind up drawing a flag. Sure. One other note related to the secondary that we didn't talk about. We mentioned most of the players coming back or being hurt. I would not overlook Benjamin St. Juice in the commander's secondary. And we talked about this with J.P. Finley on the Giants Huddle podcast. The reason I bring him up, A, he's had a very solid season, another young guy on their team, but he's got the length at 6'3 to match up with Hodgins. And Hodgins has been productive for the Giants. They did not have St. Juice the second, the first time around. I wonder his presence. Remember, they were forced to use a rookie and Danny Johnson to make up for the absence of Benjamin St. Juice. And none of those guys are really with the same level of length. So that's going to be a matchup to watch. If he's back and they utilize him on Isaiah Hodgins, Mm -hmm. does that give Hodgins more of a challenge because he's going up against the corner that has the physical traits to collide with him? I think that's an interesting point that you're making because St. Juice did did not face them last time. Yep. So it's an interesting dynamic in that there's a change there in that lineup as well. There are two or three lineup tinkerings that each team is going to have 
in this game that they did not have last time. Um, I'm going to say to you, Daniel Bellinger is an X factor in this game. I believe that when you look at the fact that the Giants should be able to use the short pass to their advantage and are going to need to use the short pass to their advantage, I'm going to say to you that Daniel Bellinger should be, should be, maybe he won't be, but I think he should be an important part of the game plan. And I think he catches a touchdown in this game. Well, he's been that sneaky receiver yep. this season. I yep. thought you were also going to throw in run blocking, too. He could become an well, X-Factor I've, I absolutely that. expect yeah. that he's going to have to do that. But I, I, I just, if somebody's going to step up in this passing game and be a little more of a factor than than other times, I think Bellinger, Bellinger, something just, I feel in my bones, he's going to make a key reception somehow in this game. Let's head back to the lines. We've got Roy in Charleston joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Roy? Hi, Lance. Hi, Paul. Hi. Paul, you stole my thunder. Bellinger, I think, is the X factor here. I think he is going to, just like you said, I think he could play a pivotal part, not only in the passing, those those quick slants, I mean, and blocking, I think you're absolutely right. I think he could be the X factor in this game. I hope so. Um I wanted to ask you guys, what's going on with Kenny Galladay? I mean, you I remember, I think it was a week or so ago, Paul, you said you saw him and Daniel out there practicing after practice. And any, why is he not in the rotation? Do you know that Kenny Galladay not only does that after practice, he's one of the first guys out there before practice. And when they're doing yeah. the special teams drills – Kenny Galladay and Isaiah Hodgins are off on the side with Mike Groh, the receivers coach, and they're practicing the tiptoes on the sideline, catching passes. Kenny Galladay puts in more extra work than any receiver on this team and maybe as much or more than anybody else on this team. It is the biggest mystery in my 40 years of covering the New York Football Giants and the National Football League. I have and Paul, I need Scooby Doo to help me out with the answer for this one because I have yeah. no idea why he has become the mystery man on this team. I really don't. I have I have been with you this entire season. I I I have just been you know, it's like Lord let Kenny play this week because I know he can he can, not only does he want to, not only that he can but I think he could absolutely explode in this offensive game for <sighs> us. And I'm, just, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm exactly right there with you. When you have said time and time again, he's out there, his last, first one out, last one out. I mean, and it's just, it's killing me. Anyway. Well, Roy, so I'd be surprised I, uh, at this point in the season if we see a dramatic shift. So, but, would, think, but wouldn't I, I that know. be a real kick in the butt, well, right, to the be. opposition? I, if yeah. all of a sudden oh. a Kenny Galladay sighting, six catches for 100 yards. Well, but Oh, my God. That would be I awesome. Well, it, it would. But once that. again, Benjamin St. Juice, to me, also has the length to match up with Galladay. That's what I would throw out there. So if you're not talking about a guy that's going to get a great deal of separation, you're talking about a guy where you get some jump balls, they're getting a cornerback that I think can counter that a little bit. So I don't know if Galladay would be such an X factor that you make him out to be Roy against this matchup. Make him a big slot. Not not Galladay. Galladay's not going to do that. You could make Hodgins the big slot. Well, Hodgins is more practical. Put Galladay and Slayton on the boundaries and put Hodgins in the slot. Now all of a sudden the commander's got a bit of a problem on how to deal with that. 
And the last thing I want to say is that um, I hope I, I, I hope that um, I hope our our uh, our rushing is up the middle. I, I, I think we are the strongest when Saquon just goes straight up the middle. I know it's kind of hard, but if he can just got two big and, and boys I, I up seen, front. Yes, and I and um, Paul, you just mentioned uh, the uh, the fullback to assist. Um, Myrick, he was talking uh, about. Thank, thank you, Myrick, and and Myrick assisting. Even if we could get Bellinger in there and just create yeah. that little hole, you know it, he can push through. I know so, it's just not something that's in the DNA of this offense. But I will tell you this, and I said it two weeks ago: on times when Washington goes with the wide front. And Payne and Allen are playing in the middle, but they're giving you separation because they're trying to give you the wide pass rush look. That's when you can run between them. They get gashed consistently when they go into that wide front. That's when you want to be able to run up the middle. On those times, yeah. it's pretty easy to do. But when they're yeah. com- when they're compacted inside the tackles. It is very hard to move them. Well, and Roy, listen, yeah, we appreciate the uh, phone call. We'll gotta gotta run. let you go on that note. We've got to get to the locker The room. one thing, real quickly, though, Daniel Jones was effective as a runner in yeah. the first matchup. Oh, and he will be this week, too. And that could be maybe an X factor. I think it's a big X factor. That, to me, is something to watch. Does Washington adjust accordingly based on their struggles in the first game? If they contain Daniel Jones and they make it a Saquon game... Therefore, the dynamics change. So Daniel Jones' success on the ground, I think it also tell a lot about the outlook for this game. All right, that is going to wrap things up for us here on Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Today's episode, part of the Giants platforms everywhere, as well as Giants.com slash podcast. We're going to be up and running with our pregame show at 6.20 p.m. Eastern on f- Sunday as we lose track of days here on WFAN. You can also listen on Giants.com as we'll have the Sunday night football matchup with an 8.20 p.m. Eastern kickoff. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, and we'll speak to you on Monday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.